Welcome to Genius Leadership Podcast, where we discuss how to overcome everything as a leader. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighting mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders. We discuss their roller coaster ride of leading from their zone of genius and when they don't. If you find this show valuable, please subscribe and share it so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Why do we wait with starting a business? Why would you track your employees' time spent on work? And what does it mean to put the stress where it belongs, according to responsibilities? These and other questions we discuss with Ivan Kosyuk, who is the co-founder and CEO of Ukrainian IT Hub. That's a company that was started because of the full-scale invasion back in Ukraine. Ivan is also Ukrainian, just like me. And I want you to listen carefully to the story of a young entrepreneur who knows as very few in the world that there is no perfect time to start a business. Hope you enjoy it. Take some action based on what we discussed with Ivan and see you on the other side. Ivan, welcome to the show. Hi, it's so nice to be here. So we discussed uh, before we started the recording that we are on two different continents, or theoretically I'm on North American continent just like you are, and uh, your PR assistant uh, or manager Daria is in, in Ukraine, so she's also on the line, so we, we have quite a geographical spread here of time zones, which is always fascinating for me. I appreciate it ever, ever extra every time when we manage to get on a call with people who are so far away. So happy to have you on the show. My first question will be the opening one. We agreed on, on discussing that there is never perfect timing to start a business or a company. And we'll go into how do you got to that. But I want to start with what do you think is stopping people usually from starting here and now? Why, do, why are we looking for that perfect timing? I think the main reason is the way people view what a successful business is. From my experience, a lot of the people think that a successful business is some kind of absolute value production machine. Basically, uh, for you to build something great, you need to think, oh, what would be like an absolutely great thing? Something in a vacuum that just has a lot of value. And something you think, oh, I don't know, like for making an iPhone, it's like a complicated piece of machinery. It's something new. It's like, it's so, so good in a vacuum. Uh, and if I cannot do something like that, maybe my business is not good enough. While in reality, I deeply believe that business cannot exist in a vacuum. Business is always relative. And it's about, oh, what can you add to whatever's happening right now? And that ad may be, oh, I'm not producing iPhones. I just made very cheap, small phones. And I bring, brought them to a country where people don't have access to phones. Like, is it phone amazing piece of technology? Maybe not. But did I make lives of people there better? Oh, I did. And that is a successful business. And that difference of frameworks, I think, is what people stopping people. They're looking for this unicorns. Well, they just need to be looking for something that people need today. Hmm. So I, I could imagine that someone is listening to you, the ones who are looking for that perfect idea. And I've met those entrepreneurs in the, in the soul, entrepreneurs in my life who are like, I really want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm waiting and I'm looking for that perfect idea. 
and mm-hmm. they never start. And we had those conversations a decade ago, and they're still in the in the corporate because they're still waiting for the perfect idea. But in the end, in the hand of those people, I could imagine mm-hmm. they listen to you and they th- say, "Yeah, but I don't want to do something half good or not perfect." So, how would you address that? Is it really about doing something worse but doing, or why would people be motivated to start? The answer, so that's a very important uh, difference is that the quality of your business is not really about the quality, this kind of like absolute quality of your product or your service. It's about how happy your customers are. So do not try to make something half-baked because when you do something half-baked, people will very likely see through it and they would not be inspired. Uh, And you won't be inspired and nobody will be inspired and this will go nowhere. The point is not to try to chase a perfect product, but chase a happy customer. So when you have an, your goal is not to, as I said, make this very cool thing. Your goal is to go talk to people and uh, have a response, something like, oh, I want it. Like, what, where can I buy it? Or, oh, can I test it? Oh, can I be an investor? Can I join the company? Like, they need to be inspired. And that's where A, you need to start, where B, your goal lies. Me. Customer, customer excited. It's yeah. I think there's a difference between what I'm trying to say and like having this not like half baked quality of the service or product. It's fascinating because this is another challenge I see a lot among uh, the starting entrepreneurs that they are really afraid of sharing their idea and letting people into their bubble until mm-hmm. it becomes perfect or good enough. And what you're saying to me, it sounds like you need to involve customer from day zero, kind of. For them to help you build a good product that will make them happy. Yes, and that's that's kind of the thing is that for most businesses, most services, the difficulty lies not in the specific act of doing, but responsibilities that comes along with making the whole thing. It's kind of like the analogies that I am often using is like imagine you came to a car service and say, "Hey, I need my wheels changed." And I don't know, the manager comes to you and says, you know what? We really tried hard, but we only changed three wheels. So that's three of the, it's 75% of the job done. I think it's good enough. So have a good day. And you're like, no, it's not good enough. Like I need four wheels because three wheels doesn't let me go anywhere. And changing the wheels themselves is not that difficult. The difficulty is like planning the work in a way that you can guarantee that your customer will will go home in a reasonable amount of time with all four wheels changed. And and that's why when you come up with an idea, unless it's some very proprietary kind of technology where you build a new, I don't know, like self-learning machine, and it's, I don't know, it's sandy and stuff. Like if you're not there, and likely you're not there because that's some very high-end tech and you are in normal B2C market, you're working with your end consumer, data consumer, the value is not really in your idea, but how you execute, how you go and build it. And if you can inspire your customers, they wouldn't want someone else to do it. They want you to do it because they already put their trust in you and your idea, kind of this tandem of two. Yeah, love it. Well, we derailed a, a bit from the uh, conversation <laughs> of the original yeah. topic, but I thought it was yeah. interesting to get your perspective on those p- points. Yeah. So what we discussed is there is never a perfect timing to start a business. And you, yeah. in the, before we started recording, said that for you, this realization started coming 
nine to nine months to one year back. So can yeah. you guide us through the process of how that happened? Oh, yes. So around two and a half years ago, I actually started building my first kind of like tech startup. It was something I can really call a tech startup. And back then, I had a vision where I had this idea that, oh, I'm going to build my thing and then everybody will understand. I just need to build it. I just need to launch it. And that will kind of show them. And they will just come running at me with money and, and, and I don't know, and fame and everything. And I actually, I got a full team on board with that vision. I have had like eight people, mostly like tech and design working on the platform. It was a peer to peer landing platform. There was like some twists specifically about how you can better manage your money at uh, like low, how you can come in and invest very low sums of money. But the point is I got the whole team all of them were like, yes, like we should keep it a secret. We should build it. And then like in a year, they're going to be so good. Like, hint, hint, it wasn't. Uh, it, it completely fell apart specifically because we didn't get the customer on board. We didn't get the investors on board. We didn't talk to anybody. And when we actually go and went to talk to people, they just, just threw a bunch of, uh, I would say, I don't know, like rock star face saying, hey, you forgot about A, you forgot about B, you forgot about C. We're like, oh no, why didn't we talk to you earlier? And around so a year ago, around a year ago, that's when we just realized, no, this this product is not going anywhere. We cannot push it any further. Like it's done, it's dead. And I was thinking, I started, I started thinking, okay, why did this happen? Like, what should I have changed to not get into this kind of position? where we kind of spent, I think we collectively with our other co-founders, we spent something like you know, $15,000 to spend a year of our time. Like, I don't want to get into this position anymore. What should, what should I change? And that's how I started getting into the ideas that I'm sharing right now. And then this idea got to be tested at a quite extreme, in a quite extreme context of the full-scale invasion war back home because we both are from Ukraine. So was there anything in between that you would like to cover or shall we go into the, uh, that period? I think we should go, go into that period because that's where really my new worldview about business um, got tested. Yeah. So let us know then what, what happened then when the full-scale invasion uh, happened back in Ukraine. So the way, the way I remember it, I uh, Right, if, like right up to a few days before, I was actually working at. I was like testing and talking to customers about a new project. I was I was working. I was an investing platform to to buy real estate in 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 very small portions. Something that Ukraine really lacks right now. Uh, and so, yeah, I kind of I had this new mentality of like go and talk to customers first, go and talk to investors first. And uh, I was sort of like one day before the invasion, I was talking to one of the investors. They're like, you know what? Like we are really like the idea, but we have big fears that real estate may be uh, under risk right now because of incoming invasion. I was like, oh, there's going to be no invasion. It's going to be fine. And then like things started. Then for the next at least month and a half, I was fully into helping build a volunteer volunteer tech community. It's basically a lot of engineers of various kinds just banding together to just build stuff to help our country, help our government, help other volunteers, just build, building engineering stuff. I was mainly doing the organizational work, talking to people, figuring out the best, what would be the best 
projects for them to join. And that's when I start. That's kind of like those were the first steps of me realizing there was a problem. A lot of, especially younger people, lost their jobs. And those are like smart, uh, very bright people who had, because they were young, they didn't have any safety nets for, to, to rely on. And they, we lost our jobs. We have like $2,000 in our bank accounts. We have no clue what to do. And this, I was the first responder in that case. I was like, I need to figure something out. So that's, that's kind of how everything started for me on my end. And what did you create then? I I started I started listening. I started looking at where is like where do we stand right now as as a community? And I started like on one end, like we have all those smart engineers who lost their jobs who needs somewhere to work. And and they're very driven. They're very like the thing about them is that you didn't need to tell them what to do. You can guide them in the direction and they would kind of figure it out. Then on the other hand, I went around and saw, oh, wait, there is a lot of pool from foreign companies who just want to hire those engineers or remote and kind of just have an extra pair of hands. And I was like, I don't really like that to happen because that kind of will push back Ukrainian tech sector a few, I would say at least maybe 10 years back in time and turn us from this country that can manage projects, manage like large production to a country where we j- we're just chipping away hats, which I was really unhappy about. And I said, okay, I want to change it. Like, But how can I change it? And I started putting pieces together. I saw we have smart people who are very creative, who do not need to be told what to do. And we have, we have a pool that kind of just grabs everyone who just wants to do work, who just want to like, kind of like rent out their hands. So is there any space of opportunity? And that space, like everything was left is, Let's band all the people together who do not want to go into those foreign companies and leverage what they can do best, being creative, being responsible, uh, researching complicated questions. And that's how we started uh, our organization. We called it uh, Ukrainian IT Hub or and for English-speaking community, it would sound better Ukrainian Tech Hub, where the idea is that uh, we would find... Uh, businesses abroad, uh, specifically something like startups or uh, f- startups from serial entrepreneurs who know what they're doing and and new projects from big companies who need to do some R&D and testing and they need to see results quickly. And what we offered them is like, hey, we have this very driven team and you can throw unanswered questions at us and expect that we will get back to you with some kind of test version, or as we call it, MVP, uh, in a very short period of time so that you can see results and not wait for like nine months for a big tech company to get back to you with something. And that after some test iteration of our communications, it really worked. So for example, uh, we are working right now with uh, a largest um, real estate developer in Canada, specifically with their innovation department, because they have and an answer need is that they have a bunch of ideas. They want to test all of them within uh, an efficient budget and efficient time. And they just gave us those ideas that please figure it out. We have no clue how that works. Maybe it doesn't work at all. Just give us your best answer. And we are working on giving them the best answers we can. And even on Zazer and with serial entrepreneurs, we are working, we're actually building a platform for a startup 
that because of our work was able to raise money because we were going like mm-hmm. swift, agile, showing results like in, in weekly sprints and having people on board who not just ask questions, okay, what's in a tech documentation? They ask, why do we need to do it specifically this way and not the other way because the other way seems better? Yeah, that's what we are as a kind of direction we're trying to push and it seems to be slowly working. So I've heard some entrepreneurs saying like, okay, the... Usually you need to work on the five ideas uh, to get to one successful. And the thing is that the, the trouble is that you never know which of those five ideas will be the, the one that, is, that survives and mm-hmm. makes, makes you successful. So you need to spread your resources over those five. And what you do as IT Hub, you could say that you, you're making it with an affordable budget to, to actually get more information and test those five ideas that you, you're getting closer to success um, yes. With with fewer resources. So that's something I didn't think about specifically in this context, because like I usually talk to our like potential clients uh, about the most valuable thing about from what we do is business intelligence. It's not the code that we build, because very likely the code that we build you for this initial stage will be completely or like maybe half scraped after we go to a very big release. But you, what you're really getting is getting to know, is this idea worth it or not? Mm-hmm. Or if, if it's like, if it have a right to live in which form? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, about this thing about five ideas and you know which one would work. Yeah. That's a very good description. Yeah. I, I, I maybe I'll, I'm likely going to take it and put it in our community. Feel free to steal it. <laughs> yeah. I'm also thinking good. about it. Like don't, don't like stop, uh, stop throwing spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's, that's what you're helping with to, to take the guesswork out of the situations like that. All right. So let's go back to the uh, timing of when you started it. You yep. started it with people who are in Ukraine in the yes. time of the war, meaning yes. very high risk environment and context, yes. very unstable. Yes, they're driven, but they're also going through the traumatic experience of their life. Yes. How... How did you manage to turn it or address it or maybe even turn it into some advantage? I think you started scratching on the surface there already, but I would like to go deeper into that to show that we can always turn the bad context mm-hmm. and the circumstances into something that is valuable for us. I would say the main, the main thing is I took what was already there. So specifically, yes, people are in a very unreliable environment, but they can deliver things because I like I remember it was the second day of war and uh we didn't know what was going on. We didn't even know how much time we have before I don't know something very bad happened. I don't know, maybe Kiev falls or something. Like we had no idea what's going on. And we got a request from it was uh Ministry of Digital Transformation to come up with a website about about well, like Russian POVs. And they, they just asked, hey. We needed to deliver it in 24 hours. And it was Friday, like 8 p.m. And uh, I just got together a bunch of people and asked, how can we deliver this in 24 hours? Uh, given that we have no clue who's going to be online, when, and like everything. And the community just organized. Basically, the backend developers, they just said, hey, I'm going to be online for the next six hours for sure. Just in case I'm not, I have already shared my code with my friend who will be able to who will be online from like this time to this time and then after he's done i'm gonna like wake wake up and stuff so 
uh, people organize in a way that, yes, we know things are very uncertain, but if you just rely, like if you get us into the process of planning, you'll be able to make more or less reliable plans because like, yes, we know things, we have no clue what's going on like outside of our window, but we know it better than you do like project manager uh, in New York. So like, let's just plan together. And, and we did, and we were able to launch a thing in like 24 hours because like people were working like every minute and just switching and switching, which uh, if I wanted to plant alone, I would never be able to, but I let people in and, and they, they, they were able to do, to do that. So I saw how they operate when they, when they are inspired and said, I want to replicate something similar. I want to use the same system, which works and just adapt it to like bigger, bigger commercial projects. So that's 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 kind of a thing. It's interesting, but I'm also thinking now that you, now it's been seven months uh, of war, we're into the eighth month. And of course that first seven to two hours, even the first month, Mm -hmm. people are on adrenaline. They have a lot of, drive because that's the way to survive yeah and inevitable and of course you can achieve a lot great stuff like you just gave an example of with riding that wave but people get tired people start normalizing the war and they feel the whole pressure and stress of of it and how traumatic it is so what have you observed with the dynamic of people on your team in this past six seven months and how are you adjusting the planning to that or, or what are you doing to address those uh, factors oh uh so for that i so from the very first day of us like actually launching commercial projects i knew that i will need to keep the work pressure very steady so that uh because we are here for the long run and a lot of the time people don't understand when they're switching from like this 100 meter race to a mar- marathon and like when they need to save up their energy so from day one i i was just asking always working on questions of hey i want to keep track of how much work our people are doing specifically ours and i don't want anyone working above like the standard like 40 hour work week like like if that happens i go and talk to people and say hey you should save your energy second i was always looking to things okay how can we make like how can we care about uh, lives of like, like what kind of things we can put into our like weekly work things to make stress go down and at first people were kind of hesitant it's like oh you don't need to kind of care about us that much like we, we are fine like we it, like it's okay but as time moved on i saw that like the limit i set and tried to to keep is more or less in the right ballpark because even after what I think we were operating for six, six months now, or like five and a half months now, people are still very energized. They feel happy. They, they are thankful. And they say, we like the, like, we like the pace and we, we are happy to keep going and we want more. So uh, yeah, people are not burned out and I'm very happy about it. I intend to keep it this way. Because as I said, we're in a marathon, we need to think about what's going to be in a quarter, two quarters, three quarters, not what's going to happen in a week. 
And did you did you have any suggestions of particular or specific things that you've done to help people manage that? To because I imagine that when there is so much stress and uncertainty outside, working yeah. too much could be a part of them handling what is within their control. Yes, they they are. Uh, that's how a lot of the people on our team cope. That's true. And one thing, one advice I can give is always plan for more time. Like you take a task that takes three days. Just go and tell people you have five days to do it. Like uh, they will likely finish in three days and just switch on to something new. But just in the, thinking that, oh, we have more time, it will ease stress. Always give, uh, always plan for some, some time be- be- between buffer. you finishing the ta- buffer, between you finishing the task and a deadline. So if you have a task, it needs three days, you, you go and tell a team it's going to, you have five days and you go and tell your customer, we're going to deliver to you in seven days. Like if you deliver quicker, great, but mm-hmm. at least everyone's going to feel calmer and would be able to be more productive in general. Yeah. I can so relate to that. Uh, first of all, I did my uh, master in project management and that was one of the first rules that we've learned when you do the time estimates of your project uh, at 30%. Yeah. So this is the uh, this is just a golden rule of project management because yep. things happen. <laughs> and also, as you said, it, it's about the mental stress uh, and and mental load. And I had to work quite a lot on uh, on that with one of my clients last year, mm-hmm. who is an entrepreneur who has his team very su- successful, but always pushing everything to the second. Everything has mm-hmm. to be counted by the second, and he has to yeah. optimize everything for the whole team on that level. And it was stressing him a lot. And, and we're seriously worried about him hitting the wall last year, really getting into the burnout. And I challenged him a lot. And it was a lot of resistance to actually raise the, the bar for the world, like extend the project deadlines. Yes. Cause I, and I was saying, if you, if you manage that, you have a list of clients because that's, that's how his situation yeah. is in business. You just come or like contact the next client and say, hey, I can come yeah. earlier. <laughs> we can do this uh, project sooner. And they'll be just even happier. But that's the thing. It's not like people will go away from you because even with a 20% extra on the project uh, mm-hmm. time estimate, you're still ahead of the all your competitors because you've pushed, <laughs> pushed yourself to the limits. And yeah. last year he has been doing that. And it, it has been such a game changer for him and his team. I am just I'm saying it and, and there are goosebumps because it it, mm-hmm. it really can change your life and it can actually save your life and the life of your teammates and your employees when you manage to to set the expectations in the right way and eliminate the stress where it's it doesn't belong and where it's not necessary. Also, I, I just I just really feel like sharing just a few a few comments that uh just with random thoughts about running things is that a, from my experience, what really helped me is um, making, so differ- differentiating people who do like planning and strategy from people who are doing day-to-day jobs. And the, ma- the main benefits that I saw in that is that I can hide away some of the stress. So like in, in some cases, I could, I don't know, I can open our financial plan or I can open our, I don't know, some some like quarterly plan and see, oh, we have some big problems. Like we need to, like we have some high risk points here, here, and here, and here. And first idea would be, hey, I got to go and tell everybody just so we know there is a high risk point that we all need to keep attention and just try and figure it out. But 
it's very rarely a good decision because people who are actually like on this front line doing the work, like doing design, doing code, so you don't need to be stressed. Like, uh, like if you can, if you can, and you should, like share information without without sharing the emotion of this very high stress situation, and just do the plans accordingly. And sometimes you would look into, like, you would come to the cliff. You, you look, like, you look into it, and like the only choice you can make is like, do you blink or not? Because like. It's very unlikely that by pushing everyone, you'll get better results. And you just need, so you just need to hope that you create the right environment for people to deliver best results. They're calm and they know what they're doing and plans were made accordingly. And you just say, okay, that's like our best shot is for everyone to stay calm and do their work. And you can only achieve it if you have, like, if you are doing, like if some person is doing this high level planning and some people are doing day-to-day work and you and you kind of plan around how you communicate the information without communicating emotions and second thing what really helps is also try to get co-founders on board like if your idea is great share it with people and build it together with people who are different than you because that would just in general make your life much easier and just Mm -hmm. two thoughts that i had in my head while we were talking and i really want to share them Thanks for sharing them, Ivan. And the first one, I, uh, I'm very grateful that you have shared it. And it's actually a very tricky thing to find this balance between not closing off too much and still bringing your full self as in, uh, a leader and a founder uh, to your team, but without sharing too much that will hurt them, right? Yeah. Because it's not always that you know that, yes, I'll figure it out. Sometimes you are having those challenges that actually might risk the business, the whole business. And you don't, you want to protect your employees, but maybe not necessarily make it that if shit hits the fan, they, they just taken in complete surprise and that might hurt even more. So it's a very thin line there between the balance of not sharing and oversharing, right? And, and how to walk it. It's, it's a probably a whole topic of itself, how to. handle that yeah (laughs) but i really like how you said it like differentiating between people who plan and people who do the day-to-day work and and it's really Mm -hmm. where this stress belongs right who's part of a job it is just because you're going to be running into your office team and saying the room is on fire or the company is going to fail it doesn't help them to do their job you'd better leave them at what they're good at and you as a leader need to take care of that and go and get along the runway by getting investment on board if that's the issue and so on and so forth. Yes. So it's really about putting the stress to the to where it belongs as a responsibility in the role. Yeah, because like uh, really planning is about you are support for those people doing job right now. And you should A, give them all the resources they need and they may need in the future, but also you should keep their stress to minimum. Like you should take as much stress on yourself about the future so that they can kind of like stress about today because they they are the only people who can handle stress about it because they're doing this job right now. So mm. I said, your ma- main goal is to support them as much as possible and really to do that efficiently. You need the separation. You have support, you have, and you have your day-to-day people doing job right now. So yeah, that's 
And I love it that uh, you said about the stress of today. And actually, I, I see some leaders and entrepreneurs who, who are failing on that matter. They're taking the stress of today onto themselves. And they, that's not their zone of genius. They are not these detailed guys who can mm-hmm. handle those things in a good way. So again, not only are you taking power away from your, from your people, uh, from those who are good on that, right, mm-hmm. and who want to do that work, you're also stressing yourself extra with something that doesn't belong to you. So I think it's it's a very interesting concept of how you can think about delegation and and really filtering what goes where. I think at this point, I actually have one thing that I almost forgot, but that may be extremely relevant to our initial uh, topic, is that one of the things that I noticed that I have and other people don't, and that's well, I haven't, but other but other entrepreneurs usually do, is that all the time entrepreneurs have a specialty, like something where a founder, like a very good at one particular kind of skill. Like for example, in my field, because I deal a lot of the time in tech, I see that founders are good in tech. Like they're writing code and they kind of have this mentality where I am really good at writing code and I'm going to be writing this code myself. And I'm hesitant about getting other people on board. And that kind of A, limits them in terms of bringing new new different people on board because they feel like, I'm writing code, but I don't understand this marketing people. Like, I don't know how to get them here, how to make them part of the team. But also expanding the team within their scope because they are writing code and they're hesitant about letting other people also write their code. Or really, it's about any specialty skill. While mm. I am a very generalist person, like I can do absolutely everything, but I I am not. But in every particular skill, there is someone in the team who does it better than me. Any kind of really any day to day job, even even most of planning things, there are other people on the team who do it better than me, and that kind of pushes me to always get new people on board. Because if I want to get have some things done well. I need to find people who are good at them because as I, I am a generalist, I understand how those things work. I understand how it all ties together in one big picture, but I am maybe not as good just sitting down and doing them, doing them by hand. And also a second thing is that because I need to get other people on board, it kind of opens my mind to looking at, to looking at problems on a s- systematic level because as I said, if I'm good at writing code, I'll be just looking for ways. Where can I write code and, and create value with it? But for me, I'm not bound to whatever skills, specific skills I have. I'm just looking at what needs to be solved. Okay, now we know what needs to be solved. Let's pick the right people for this thing, thing to be built. And I would urge people to kind of treat themselves and grow more as generalists, or at least find more generalists who can who are kind of forced by their nature to look out, look on the whole picture and not in any specific pieces individually. So that's kind of thing that's tr- kind of came to me as we were talking. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Ivan. And I, I see it with uh, entrepreneurs in the space nowadays that some of them do step step down from the CEO role or create a se- separate CEO role for the mm-hmm. operational things because they are those big picture guys who uh, who want to maybe be the the brand the the face of the brand or whatever it is and 
they're not good at the other things that are traditionally within that role and being brave enough, first of all, reflective enough to understand that's, that's your challenge Mm -hmm. and that might be hurting the company. And secondly, be brave enough to step down, maybe lose, so quote unquote, that fancy title of being a CEO just for the sake of letting the company grow and also letting yourself be happy on the process. Um, That's a, that's a beautiful thing to do, but it might be very challenging. Uh, We've already talked more than <laughs> I expected <laughs> us to, <laughs> but I want to wrap up. If if someone is sitting there on an idea, if someone yeah. is not happy where they are and they do want to try entrepreneurship and they yeah. have been waiting for the perfect moment, can you give us some maybe three actionable steps? What can people do or what kind of questions can they ask themselves to get going? So first thing they need to ask themselves and preferably write it on a piece of paper is that why is this idea great relative to what's already been done? Like what, what extra things you give to the market, to your consumer, to anything? What's your extra, extra value that other things are not doing? Second, go and talk to people. Like find, uh, for, like maybe start with the most kind of like the most understanding and most open-minded people you know and tell them that idea and, and Ask them to give you feedback and slowly expand the scope of people you are talking to. Just get more and more and more feedback. And three, try and find people who would be interested to help you on that idea. Like it may be anything from I want to be a co-founder to yeah, I'm, I'm fine helping you. I know making some visuals over the weekend. Find people who would like to help you on it, help you expand in any capacity. And after you made those three steps, you will already so much ahead and you're, you launched yourself in the right direction and you will know where to go next. Uh, but yeah, write why you're unique and it should be extremely clear. Not why you're great, but why are you unique? Uh, because as I said, I can make an iPhone, I can write why it's great, but it's not going to be unique. No one's going to buy my iPhone because there are already like a lot of iPhones on the market. Like Talk to people, expand the scope, do it in the right order. Start with the most open mind, going to more kind of specialized. And three, make people join you in any capacity to help, because that's going to be a very clear signal that your idea is inspiring and interesting and drives people to want to do actions. Beautiful. I love those. Thanks a lot, Ivan, for this conversation, for sharing. It was a pleasure. Also, for everything you do with IT Hub, I really uh, hope that more companies will find you and uh, get a lot of value out of work with uh, <laughs> with the great people who you have gathered around yourself. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I'm very happy. And I hope I hope that my ideas would inspire. If I can inspire at least one person, I'm already happy with what I did here. So we're changing the world one person at a time, right? <laughs> That's the most yes. the best way to do it. Great. And genius leaders, talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review, and share to help more people discover the show and become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honors conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be a guide in overcoming everything.